Hey guys, I'm Austin Scharnhorst. And I'm Callie Casas. And we are a professional West Coast Swing couple and we travel and perform in the Showcase Division. Um, we just decided to start up this podcast specifically so we could kind of talk about our journey uh, as well as finances and um, goals and anything in life that we just kind of want to talk about. Yeah, we've had a lot of time. Clearly, everyone's gotten a lot of time during coronavirus. Uh, so we've gotten to reflect on our journeys as dancers, as fans of dance, as professionals, you know, in business of dance, and kind of all in between. And today we're looking at what do you want your journey to look like? And obviously I can say that that journey looks different for everybody. Um, Luckily we have made it to the all-star division in the Jack and Jill realm, but showcase as far as the routines, it's a professional division with lifts. If you don't know what that is, please look it up on YouTube. It's fun. Yeah. And so hopefully uh, some of the questions that we talk about and the things that we talk about inspire just conversation and thought and um, help you in your journey in life. Yeah. So um, really something that I think is really cool is that I find that we are at a place that often forks in the road. Um a lot of all-stars what happens to us right is maybe we're just fans of the dance and we happen to enjoy competing for fun and we get to that place and we go oh look at that i'm considered an upper level dancer and from there that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a traveling professional right there's that's that's one area you could go into you could just be a competitor for fun maybe you just enjoy competing maybe it's an art form a lifelong dance student where it doesn't matter how much you learn you just enjoy learning local events you know you could be somebody who teaches at local events traveling professional event director local teacher, community leader, that kind of thing. What, what was your goal, Austin, as far as what you always hoped for? So I actually think it's kind of funny. My goal changed a lot along the way. Um, so I started I started at uh, Billy Bob's, which is a local country bar here in Fort Worth, Texas, which is we are, where we are from. Um, and I started out there hating country music, hating dancing wasn't really a a goal of mine but if you go with a group of girls to a country bar they're gonna make you dance it's just how it is oh darn you had dance with pretty girls yeah it was terrible terrible life um i really hate being bad at things so i immediately found the best person at that country bar it's a guy named bill getford shout out bill getford cool guy um i found him and i was like hey teach me one cool new move one new move, man. And every single week, I would go to him. One new move, one new move, one new move. And then finally, uh, I met Callie. I met Callie out at Cowboys Arlington, um, another dance place that is sadly closed now. Rip. Told you, uh, just one dance with pretty girls. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and she actually lied to me. I did. She lied to me. And I regret nothing. Um, at the time, she was dating a dance professional, and he had told her, hey, uh, this is my job, so whenever I'm here, I'm on the clock, so I can't really hang out. And so she was like, okay, well, the, in that case, you have to teach my friends for a discounted rate. And he was like, all right, cool. 
So she comes to me and she's like, hey, my boyfriend, who's a pro, thinks you're so good. He really wants to work with you. He's going to give you this discounted rate because you're so good and all this stuff. And in actuality, he didn't think that at all. Nope, not even <laughs> not even a little. I just, I really wanted friends and I had no friends in West Coast Swing. Yeah. And <laughs> so I start taking lessons because I want to get better at country dancing. I was like oh, this West Coast Swing thing, they have cool moves and I can learn those cool moves and I can bring them into country and I can be the best country dancer because I obviously was already the best country dancer. We all were the best country dancer. Honky-tonk country dancer at that. That's true. That's true. So I started taking lessons and then quickly realized that I was a big fish in a small pond of the honky-tonk country, bo- country bar world. And so right away, for my, my only purpose was just to get better. And that's all I really cared about. And once I got my first points in Novice, I got really involved and I really liked it and got really invigorated to learn more. And eventually I got to a point where I'd spent so much money on lessons and on traveling and on dancing that I was like, I have to make my money back. That's the only thing I really cared about, which meant I needed to get to the at least advanced to all-star level so I could teach. Um, That was a a level you felt comfortable teaching at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally at that time didn't feel that I could teach unless I was at an advanced or all-star level just because anybody that I talked to about different dances and stuff, there was just a specific level that was required to be a professional. Um, And I had already started teaching at UNT. I did a country western dance club there, but it was, again, just honky-tonk dancing, so it wasn't anything crazy. So I knew that I liked teaching, so I I was like, okay, I want to teach. So that was kind of my goal for a really long time. Um, You're also super competitive, too. So there was that competitive edge. Like, yes, you wanted to make money back. But I think that even when you first started, you were very much, ooh, this is so cool. I want to make finals. I want to sit in chairs. I, I look up to this dancer, so I want to get to their level. You know? Yeah, I definitely was. I definitely was. Uh, super competitive. And I just know that... Like I said, for uh, I got to a point where I was like, I want to teach. I want to make money from this. Um, I never really thought of being a traveling professional. I never really thought about trying to be the best in the world. Um, and then Kelly and I partnered. Uh, you and I partnered. And that kind of changed things because, again, um, I know she's probably going to tell her side of the story here in a second. But she was like, these are what I want in a partner. And if you're not it, then I don't want to be partners with you. <laughs> And I was like, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. And one of those things included being a traveling professional. And in my head at that time, I was like, sure, we will. It was like a a little kid saying they want to be an astronaut. And you're like, sure, you will, kid. And that's how I felt. Um, And it didn't really become real until we actually got hired to our first event um, in Europe. And it was the first reason that I even got to go. And so I got to go to the Bavarian Open. Um, Shout out, Dirk. To Deutschland, you know, the motherland. Um, Uh, that I actually got to feel that this could be real. It actually let me travel, and that's a whole other passion of mine. And so now my journey is hopefully going to be a top professional dancer that gets to travel, teach, and everything all around the world. So that's So you goal. definitely, yeah. It, mine was evolving the entire time. Yeah, it didn't start out as, oh, I want to be this world champion, or I, I want to be this traveling professional that wasn't always your goal. It kind of pivoted. Definitely. I think for myself, uh, it's kind of weird because I came from figure skating and that's such a different world. And I loved that world. I 
was not good enough to make any kind of Olympian hopeful. So it's, it's such a competitive world that if that's not where you're going, I guess you can be a fan of it and you can still skate. It just, it felt awkward at the time. And when I first saw West Coast Swing, I was lucky because it was offered in college, funny enough. Uh, I got to go to this competition and it was Cher Peden's America's Classic ACC in Houston, which was amazing and crazy. And I remember looking out on the floor. I dragged my mom because my little introverted self just could not imagine going anywhere without her. I'm clingy. Just a little bit. So clingy. Okay, that's fine. And I just remember seeing all of these people of so much, so much diversity. There was all these different ages, you know, every, every type of body shape, you know, and coming from the figure skating world, these are not things that you see. And I remember seeing this elderly lady, she was probably in her 80s or 90s, and she was out there having the time of her life. And I, I, you know, was poking and prodding at my mom, and I'm like, look at this lady. And from from that moment on, I was like, this, this is where I need to be. I don't know how to dance. Figure skating is not a dancing sport. It is an athletic sport. It's a graceful sport. I don't know who shakes their hips, but it was not me. It still kind of isn't. <laughs> but that, that first moment, I, I wanted to dance. And I really didn't get into West Coast Swing for about almost a year later. It was actually the first time. Uh, because I didn't think that it was something I could do competitively. And I'm extraordinarily competitive. This doesn't come as a shock to Austin. He's giving me this, oh, really, kind of look. Yeah, that's uh, not a surprise. <laughs> but I, I didn't see it as a viable competitive thing uh, until I remember going to the Open, and it was 2012. And I saw Showcase, so I saw, you know, everyone doing Showcase. And I remember seeing them and going, oh, now it's a competitive thing. That's, that's figure skating on ground. I could, I want to do that. That's cool. And, you know, if you're not the best by 16, you're not chopped livers, which was even better. Um, so that, that was really kind of what got me interested. But unlike you, Austin, I was always wanting to be competitive. Yeah. Now, granted, I have no natural talent towards dancing, and everyone who saw me dance painfully knew this truth. Well, I also just love that... <laughs> I love that you knew this from day one. I still remember the first time that both you and I went to the U.S. Open. And I want to say it was like 2013? It was 2013, yeah. 2013? The year after. And I remember that I had actually made finals, because, you know, I'm just such a good dancer. Uh, <laughs> made novice finals at the what? U.S. Open, you know? Got third place. Shout out. What up? Um, but I just thought it was so funny because I had made finals and Callie didn't make finals. Womp, womp. That was that was not special. I, I <laughs> consistently did not make finals in well, novice. I just remember that was a specific like turning point where like you had continuously always been like, oh, 
I want to be the best. I want to be, this is what I want to do. And you were telling me this after not making finals there. And I was just like, maybe this girl doesn't get the memo that she didn't make finals in novice. And she's over here saying, I'm going to be the best. And I was just like, sure you will kid. Just like how I felt whenever I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I want to do this professionally. I, I just feel that like everyone looked at Callie at that time and was like, Pat, Pat, there you go, kid. That's okay. It's it's true. And despite that, you know, I'm, I may not have the most natural talent. I may not have much money, but dang it, I, I will try harder than most people will ever. I will fail more than people ever try. So, so at least there's that. And luckily, uh, I had this crazy idea that in order to succeed, I would need a partner. And I knew what it would take from figure skating. I knew the amount of hard work it would be. And I explained this to Austin and our friend Lenny Vidal outside of our local dance scene, which at the time was called Sandugas in it Dallas. It is now 2155. It is. And I was like, yes, I want a partner who's going to work. I, I want it blood, sweat, and tears, you know, for a couple years. And then you know you eat it and then you get to live life as a champion and then you just maintain and you grow and you inspire and you get to do more artwork after you do the grind and austin luckily was dumb enough to sign (laughs) up for that job (laughs) yeah but Uh, but yeah i i always kind of just knew that that was what i wanted to do and i don't mind the failure i don't i just find it on a way to success yeah. I mean, I did find out. Um, now, granted, I don't know that this is where you were planning on going tonight, Callie. But uh, I did find it interesting that though we had the same goal, we very much had different viewpoints on how to get there. Um, like when we first partnered, that was probably our most like the most turmoil in our partnership. Um, just because I was like, oh, we're getting our feet wet. And Callie was like, we're going hit the ground running. And I was just like, but I want to stop and smell the roses. (laughs) And so I don't know if like anybody has ever felt that, but you are not alone. If, if, if you have, um, same goal, different viewpoint of how to get to that goal, but we work together and, and compromise and work our way there. Well, you know, one of the things that I was kind of going to discuss with you is like, how has this journey been a surprise to you? And Obviously, with every every journey, regardless of what destination you're looking for, there's always going to be things that you expect. There's things you don't expect in a good or bad way. And then there's things that disappoint you. Uh, so that was actually one thing I was going to ask you is in what ways, right? Because we've, we've made it up to All-Star. We've made it up to Showcase. We have placed top 10 at the U.S. Open in showcase before and then we've also seen failures at the u.s open before Mm -hmm. and we've seen success uh being the first rising star tour winners and we placed third that year and it bumped us into showcase the next year we placed ninth and so the year after we had a nice bobble and wound up near the bottom and that happens so what kind of for you what has been your surprises uh, throughout th- this dance journey so far I think the the biggest surprise is like the amount of work it actually takes um, I 
feel going back to like little Austin whenever you first were explaining, oh, I want to work hard, blood, sweat, and tears. That didn't really, um, that, that mentality was different to that person than to, to you. Um, I didn't realize how much people work. Um, I always saw events as a fun escape and I didn't realize how much time and for some people it totally yeah, is it started for me very much as an escape and then yeah. eventually made its way into a job and and even now there's it's a great job it's a fun job but it's still there are going to be those times where oh you want to go to that room party or oh you want to go social dancing but instead you know you need to practice you knew, you know you need to get a lesson with mm-hmm. with with one of your coaches and i just didn't really contemplate that and i think that was one of the biggest challenges for me was to switch my mentality on what an event is for me um yeah. Because, like I said, before I did this professionally, I was trying to do this just for fun, and it was my escape. And so I made all these friends going to room parties and social dancing super late. And I still remember the very first open that you and I went to having a routine. And oh, that was 2000... Was that 2015? 15, yeah. It was 15. Yeah, 2015. And I remember... I will preface that... We don't normally speak of that routine year because I was kind of a jerk, just a little. Um, and I just remember going into that U.S. Open thinking, this, isn't, this routine isn't going to change my U.S. Open experience. I'm still going to go social dancing because the thing that I love about the Open is how many people from all over the world are there. And they all social dance for so late. And I think that that is, was one of the most fun things about the Open for me whenever this was just for fun. And I remember thinking, oh, this isn't going to change my attitude. This is, I mean, I'm going to still social dance. And then I got there and I saw the amount of hard work and effort everyone was putting in. I saw, I thought that people were just going to bed early to get up early for floor trials, but no, they were just in the practice room till three in the morning, then taking a two hour nap and then getting down to floor trials. Like I didn't realize how much hard work and effort was put in until I was in it. And then my, my viewpoint completely changed and that was the turning point for me of, hey, yes, you can still have fun even if it is a job, but like work comes first and it, it can't be just, oh, I want to social dance. Oh, I want to go to this room party. Oh, I want to go have this drink. I want to go do this. It has to be, hey, like what do we need to get done first? We could still do those things, but we need to make sure that we prioritize our work ethic and, and what we can do. And I think that was the biggest challenge for me. That makes sense. I think uh, one of the biggest surprises for me, I suppose, there was a lot, I will say there's a lot less surprises in the way of I had come from a competitive sport. So I know that there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be times that you feel like you're working backwards, even though you're practicing harder. There's times where you've practiced less and see more results and it confuses you. Uh, so so I, I pretty much expected most of that. I, I think one of the most interesting things about West Coast Swing is that our structure is a little looser. I, I felt like in ice skating, it was very much a ladder of, I do well at these competitions, you know, I get assigned to these other competitions. I do this, it'll lead to this. And then eventually... You know, obviously in figure skating, the grand thing is to get to the Olympics, right? And in West Coast Swing, everyone can do the Open. Anyone can attend it as a 
viewer, as a parent, as a friend, as a coach, as, you know, a top professional, anybody. So there's not this place that you're, you're dreaming of going. You'll, you could go there any year. I, I think that's kind of the weird part that I felt a little more horizontal on was, oh, what does, what does staffing look like? What does return event, you know, getting on returned events, what does it mean of growing as a professional? And that's something I really felt was a lot murkier waters than I was expecting. Uh, just because I came from such a cut and dry sport of how to get there. But I will say that overall, most of the surprises have been positive. I'm, I found it pleasantly surprising how friendly professionals are. I remember Austin and I's first time uh, moving from the Rising Star, the amateur division of Rising Star, into Showcase. Both of us were so very nervous. We I'm never nervous. What uh, are you talking uh, about? <laughs> <laughs> we... We just didn't want to look like we didn't belong. We didn't want to look like the bathroom break, you know. And, and I say this as somebody who's been in the audience. And you really have to go to the bathroom. But there's nine couples. And so you have to pick which one, you know. You, you miss. You miss. If, you're, if your bladder's telling you no. And so I just didn't want to be everybody's bathroom break, but I also know that that's just kind of one of those things that, that if someone's going to go to the bathroom during your performance, they just are. You kind of have to get over it. And I was really pleasantly surprised at how people were welcoming, people cheered for us, like our competitors cheered for us. And I just thought that was so special. Yeah, I still love in one of our first routine runs for Showcase, I think it was at Mad Jam, and I, I don't know if you can see it in the video, but I could always see it in my peripheral vision because one of our coaches, uh, Kalise Key, was in the corner because she hadn't performed yet, and she was watching it behind the pillars, and she's over there, like, jumping up and down when we get done and, like, being the loudest, like, cheer mom for us. It was amazing. But I, I did think that was really funny. It was. I, I absolutely will never forget that. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's kind of those pleasant surprises. I, I also think that there's some things with succeeding that we didn't anticipate either. There's some routines where you do where you go, oh, I don't really like that. And you see great results. And then there's routines where you feel like you're really being an artist. And, you know, your friends are kind to you. They go, oh, <laughs> that's, that's a great... That is a great costume. Yeah, if it's like, oh, I really <laughs> liked your song. Thanks, but the dancing? You, you were bold. <laughs> you, you took bold choices this year. You know, I, I gotta say, there are some kind of things like that that happen. And, and I guess for us, you know, right, as an artist, it shouldn't really matter as long as you're following the dream of it, right? Um, but as far as what our dance journey looks like, both of us, we've both said, hey, we want to be, you know, very high competitors. Uh, we want to be, you know, some of your 
top competitors eventually. We would like to be champions. We would like to travel the world uh, full-time, getting to teach and kind of perform all over the world. I'm a huge performer, so that was... That's always kind of the hard thing to eat is the balance of the art and the competitor. Yeah. One thing that everybody had always told us when it comes to staying in this dance for a long time is making sure you know why you dance and, like, what fills your passion. Uh, for Callie, that's definitely performing. She mm-hmm. loves performing. No, oh, matter, I, I no matter if it's a Jack and Jill, it's a social dance, or uh, our, our performances and showcase, she's always performing because she loves it. Uh, for myself, I I really love um, meeting people, teaching people. Uh, that's my passion is I love just getting to go all around the world and have somebody that I know there. Uh, my biggest, the reason that I even continued doing West Coast whenever I first started was the fact that I loved the idea that I would have a friend of a friend anywhere in the world to talk to or get to know or crash with or anything. Um, and that that's what really drives me. So... I will say during all the COVID stuff, it's been really difficult because I I miss that interaction. I miss meeting new people and I miss getting to travel. Um, And I know that Callie misses getting to perform too. So, but we find what drives us and we just keep plugging away at it. Have you ever questioned kind of the journey? Uh, I definitely have. Um, It's really hard whenever you're still working a full-time job while also practicing 10 to 15 hours a week and then traveling on the weekends. Um, I still, there was one time I was at, um, it was at Grand Nationals and I woke up in the morning to go work out and I saw another West Coast swing professional in gym and I was just like, weren't you social dancing last night? And he says, yeah, I was social dancing till, but probably about 4am. And I was like, how are you up right now working out? When do you sleep? And he was like, that's what I do during the week. Because that was his full-time job. So his week was his weekend. So he had the ability to actually recuperate and take time necessary to to kind of heal and sleep and make sure he's where he needs to be. And so it's been really difficult doing a full-time job plus practice plus going to these events, wearing yourself out at the event, not really getting a chance to revigorate yourself or rest or anything like that. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that also always makes you question of, okay, are we going to make it? Okay, yeah, is it worth it? Okay. For full-time professionals, your convention weekend is your work week. Whereas when you, you know, work a full-time job, you have your work week. And then just as your work weekends, your dance work week begins. Yeah. So there's never really a weekend. Yeah, so then you always question, or I know I always question, is it worth it? When does when does that switch happen? Like, I know that I've officially dropped part-time, so I can pursue more dance-related items and stuff. So that's really nice. Um, I know that Callie, sadly, has not gotten the chance to do that yet. Um, I know we plan on it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very lucky. So I, I work full-time. I work in international retail. And basically for me, as long as I, throughout the year, average full-time hours, I get full-time benefits. So that means that if I'm gone for three weeks, when I'm in town, I have to make up 
all three weeks of 40 hours. So some weeks I work, you know, 60 hours, some weeks I work 80 hours, some, we some weeks I work zero and essentially I'm, I'm dancing. That, I guess I could yeah. say that's another surprise in, in the category. I didn't, you know, when I was a kid, I was figure skating. So that, that was my hobby. It was my passion. It was my thing that I did. And, you know, it's really easy to say when mom and dad pay for things or, you know, if you're someone who's lucky and people were giving you that information for free or showing you the way, and I will say that us coming in as adults, I don't, I don't think that a, a lot of pros really prepared us for, hey, you're going to be working a 60-hour job that has nothing to do with dancing. And then after you work that, you know, for me, it's 12-hour shifts. So you're going to work that 12-hour shift, and then you're going to go practice for several hours. You're going to get four hours of sleep, and then you're going to repeat that day five more times. And then instead of catching up on sleep, you're going to go to a dance convention after that. Uh, so where, you know, once again, the lessons aren't free because we are working those hours to pay for it. Yeah, I can definitely say that Callie is one of the hardest working people, if not the hardest working person I know. Um, I always feel really weird whenever I'm all like, oh, I'm tired. And Callie has already worked 12 hours and then going into that practice. And I'm the one who's like, oh, I'm tired. And Callie just like looks at me and is like, uh-huh, tell me I'm bad. <laughs> like, uh, um, so I, I always do feel that that's just kind of crazy at the amount of the, the, the toll that it takes. The grind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I don't believe that the grind is for everybody. And that's why I said being an all-star is really cool it's one of those moments where if you never want to do anything with West Coast Swing ever again, it's totally okay. You know, nobody ever, nobody's going to fault you on it. If you want to be someone who works a full-time job and makes a little money on the side, it's okay. If you want to be a community leader, you can branch off to that. If you want to be an event director, you don't, you don't have to be a competitor ever to be an event director, right? You just have to love dancing and want to find that niche that, you know, you feel like you can do and make it your own and it's special. And for for those of us who, you know, choose the crazy path, <laughs> I, I think that there's something to be said of you sign up to, to really slave away at something uh, potentially, you know, for, for decades that you may never reach where you really wanted to go have like, you ever been kind of prepared for i guess if are you okay with if your dream never makes it to the full potential um i feel for myself i've always had an idea of a time frame where it's like if i can't achieve my goal within x amount of time then i would still be a part of dance it just wouldn't be my full time um yeah I feel it's just like any other business venture where whenever you build a business, you're expected to lose money for three to four years and then you should be breaking even, making a profit, something along those lines. 
So I feel that I've kind of built my thought process around that kind of ideology, uh-huh. um, which I know like in a later episode, we're going to talk about finances and how to make that work and yes. all that stuff. I'm a money nerd in case anyone ever wants to see what Excel sheets look like on steroids. I am your girl. Callie's the most organized person ever. It's kind of, an, kind of insane. Um, but yeah, so I, I think for myself, I definitely have a time frame where it's, I'm willing to put this much time into this business venture. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Um, I would definitely still be involved in dancing. I would just make it more of a local thing rather than traveling all the time. Uh, I love this dance. I love meeting people, like I said. And so I, I don't think that I could ever just leave. I think that's the big thing for you. I've always noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always noticed that you love the community aspect. Yeah, I definitely do. Like you always loved meeting, as soon as you met people from Australia, you're like, oh, I want to go to Australia. You want to, you meet people from Germany. You're like, I want to go to Germany. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how it worked for me. My first out of state event was swing time in the Rockies. And when I went, I met Chris Dumond and Nicole Clunch and Hannah Clunch, who yeah. are all from California. Oh, and Cameron Crook. Cameron yeah, Crook was yeah. there too. Um, all from California. So I was like, oh, I have to go see my California friends. So then I went to the U.S. Open, and that's when I met people from Australia and people from France. And I was like, oh, now I have to always go to these events so that I can see these people because for me it was always just meeting people and building those bonds and friendships. Um, and that's something that would always be with me regardless if I'm actually competing in a um, high – high competitive standpoint of doing like showcase and trying to be the best and or if I'm just doing this for fun like I would always I I couldn't just leave yeah I feel like for myself there's such there's such a passion in performing and I don't I don't ever mind what level I'm performing at as long as it's a performance I can be proud of I think the the performances I'm least proud of are the ones where I felt ill prepared for it or you know maybe it was just something where it was a funk because you're never gonna 100% of the time have the perfect performance right there's always gonna you know especially for for me I'm very harsh on myself I'm very self-disciplined and so for me my best performances are ones where I feel like I I didn't just go out there and go okay I'm gonna go do the routine I feel like I I lived in the routine I felt that I could get the message or the story across to people if I could get at least one person in that audience to feel something whatever that story I'm telling is then I feel like I've succeeded in that now whether I've succeeded in pointing my toes and having straight legs (laughs) (laughs) That, that might be a totally different story. <laughs> I know which when I see the pictures and videos, I'll be sad after that. But as far as the performance goes, that's, I don't know. There's just something about it that's really addicting to me. Yeah. And I, I, I feel weird because that sounds such like a selfish reason to dance. You know, where it's like, oh, I, I dance to feel my own feelings, but... I don't know. It's it's something. It's it's a little bit like a, a drug on that. I'm yeah. like, oh, do I get to perform? Unless you put me on the spot, and then I I turn into like a clam. 
not like a not like a cute clam with like a pretty pearl inside i'm just like a gross one that <laughs> slimy you'll get used to these very odd comparisons that callie just decides to use yes <laughs> because somehow she is like a clam like a really gross clam you're welcome i i needed that next time i'm watching our practice videos and just how slimy and gross can I look? Because that's what I live for. <laughs> well, I guess, how has the journey bettered you as a person? Uh, it definitely gave me discipline. A hundred percent. And work ethic. Um, and it also, throughout our partnership, I've learned a lot about compromise and a lot about communication. Um... I always think it's interesting because Callie always had this perception of who I was as a person um, before we started partnering. And she always thought of me as this person who I would state my feelings and my, my opinions and, and nobody's opinions of me like mattered or anything like that. I was, I was, I was very strong-willed in that sense. Um, and, I, and I am to an extent. Um, but she quickly learned that I do respond a lot when it comes to people's perceptions of me and people's words about me. Um, so when we would practice, if I felt that her delivery of information might be a little stern or a little pointed, that would derail a practice. Um, but then I had to learn that that wasn't her trying to like poop on me. That was just her trying to explain something, and that was the words that she chose to explain it, right? Um, and I just had to learn how to compromise and how to actually conversate through that and control my own emotion and control my own um, thought processes and words um, instead of just lashing out out of emotion or instead of um, not allowing her to finish a thought or something along those lines. So I think that overall... The journey has just made me more aware of um, people's motives and people's conversation and how they and how they like to talk and how how personable all these things can be. Um, and like I said, it, it gave me all the <laughs> lessons in discipline and work ethic. Um, so I think that all in all, the journey definitely has has benefited me a lot and it's still teaching me a lot as we go on. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel like the one thing that I've mainly taken away, I guess it's two things. The, the two things that I've kind of taken away from our journey thus far has been patience and empathy since I've always been used to working by myself. Uh, even though I played softball, so I did, I did play a team sport. I was the pitcher, so if I was bad at my job, there was nobody else to blame. I'm the one who threw the ball. So it, it was still very solo in that realm of through the sports I played, a lot of it was very individualistic of what can I do? How can I perfect me? What's next? What are my goals? And I never had to care about anybody else. And that's something that I've, I've really had to learn. And I, I think of it as quite a positive that I've had to learn empathy and go hey not everybody learns the way that you do 
Not everyone works at the speed that you do. Not everybody wants to be dead tired at three in the morning and come up with podcast ideas, <laughs> you know? And, and that's okay. It really is okay. I, I'm very thankful for it because as a workhorse, I also haven't always slowed down to take breathers. And I'm very, very thankful for that quality that you've given me, right? Um, and so, so yeah, that's something I'm really, really thankful for is having empathy for when someone who isn't used to those highs and lows has those highs and lows. Working with somebody teaches you that. It also teaches you that it's no longer, you know, in solo movement, it's no longer the Cali show. I have to take your ideas into consideration, Austin, and I can't just be, oh, well, what I say goes, right? So I think that that's such a positive thing that I think partnership has taught me that I don't know that I would have picked up otherwise. So cool thing is that we've been talking about journeys today. I know you and I could go on this for literally hours. We've done it in the past. We have. We have driven a lot. There was a time we drove to Seattle. You wouldn't think you could come up with 32 hours of talking points, but Austin and I managed to succeed at that. And granted, we won't always be talking about dance journeys. You know, we might talk about finances. We might talk about, you know, there are dance politics, of course. There's, you know, things that we learn along the way, things that, you know, if you guys ask us questions that we'll answer along the way. And hopefully this journey is just for fun, realistically. Like, podcast was just something we go, hey, we always do this in the car. Why not share it with other people? So if you do like this format, please comment to us. Please give us your feedback. I'm always super open on that. Yeah, if you have any questions, I mean, Callie's an open book. I'm an open book. Um, I know eventually we'll probably do one on partnership and what our partnership looks like, what our practices looked like, what our uh, arguments and controversies looked like and how we dealt with those. Um, but yeah, so if we have any information that you would like to know or any questions, just make sure to comment and send them to us or anything along those lines and we'll, we'll try to get them answered. Yes. And thank you guys so much for listening to us. See ya. Bye everybody.